Good morning. <clears throat> Brother Son, I thank you for that message you brought to us. I thank you also for the concluding remark you made where Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Many people stop at that, forgetting that Jesus also said, as he reminded us, Loose him and let him go. Now religion might say, tie him up, put laws and regulations on him, customs and whatever. And Jesus said, no, turn him loose. <laughs> I have always appreciated that. Loose him, let him go. And uh, I thank you for your message. And now I invite your attention to Romans chapter 13. The epistle of Paul to the church in Rome. 13th chapter. My text is found in <clears throat> verse number 14. My message is titled, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on. I begin reading in verse number 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Did you read that? Is that what it said? He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. I've had people ask me, do you try to keep the law? No, I've already fulfilled it. <laughs> if you love one another, you have fulfilled the law. That's what Jesus said. That's what Paul is here reminded us. Why? For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no will to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, <clears throat> knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, and here's my text, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. In the year 2011, I was ministering in the West Indies. My beloved and I took a trip to the USA. And we took advantage of this trip to purchase some clothes that were unavailable in the place where we resided. 
It was, as I recall, May, and there is a springtime clearance sale at one of the major brand stores. So I went, and it was a clearance sale. I found four pairs of pants, different color, and they were way beyond what I could have afforded, but it was a clearance sale. I bought four pairs. I was so pleased. I rushed to our son's house. I wanted to show him my new pants and told him I bought them in one of the major stores. <clears throat> These are a brand that is highly recommended. Men love this brand of clothing. Now look at them. They got razor sharp creases and double pleats. You may have noticed that I think every pair of pants I own except blue jeans have pleats. Most of them have doubles. Well, these had double pleats. I showed him the cloth, and I showed him that you can wash these pants and not have to iron them. And they come in different colors. Now, son, you better run up there because it's a clearance sale. You better go right now and get you some of these pants on clearance. And, uh, I mean, are they not great pants? And he said, yeah, they're very good pants for an old man. For an old man, he wryly said. And my daughter agreed with him. And my wife agreed. No, she didn't want envy these pants either. So as you can see, our taste in clothing differ. We all have different kinds of taste with regard to clothes. And so it is in the spiritual realm as well. Some people are clothed in hypocrisy. They present themselves in public as paragons of virtue and morality. But oh, in their private lives, how different they are. Immoral and depraved when people are not watching. Jesus called them hypocrites and told them that you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are dead men's bones and all uncleanness, hypocrisy, lawlessness, and iniquity. Now, you know some of these folks. Hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? He's an actor. He's someone pretending to be something that he is not. In fact, an actor on the Greek stage was called hypocrite. That's what the word means. That's where it comes from. What is an actor? Someone pretending to be someone else. And that's what a hypocrite is. And he dresses himself in his hypocrisy. In public, he's not what he really is in private. Whitewashed tomb. Don't open it up, folks. The stenches of death is inside it. But outside looks quite beautiful, you know. And then there are those who are clothed in self-righteousness. They are unclean in their hearts and try to cover their filthiness with good deeds. They boast of being 
holier than thou. They brag about what they've done for the Lord. But if they were honest, if they were honest, they would confess with the rest of us that we are all like an unclean thing. That's a leper. We are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses, regardless of how many they are, they're like filthy rags, menstruous cloths. Some people are clothed in self-righteousness and God despises it. <clears throat> Some people are clothed in immodesty. They who are unashamed of their shame will expose their shame and not be ashamed of their shame. I think we see this in Hollywood actors and actresses and entertainers wanting to expose themselves and let us just see how shameful they are. It is interesting to note that when Jesus visited Gadara and the demoniac approached Jesus, the gathering demoniac, the scripture says he was naked. He was naked, a madman. Jesus exorcised the demons from him. And then the scripture says he was found sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> I think that'll preach. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. He no longer proved his naked by his nakedness that he was far from God, controlled by Satan, exposing his shame and out of his mind. That's what immodest people do. They're out of their minds and they want you to see it. I say to you, let us throw off hypocrisy and self-righteousness and let us fully cover our nakedness by, by obeying this exhortation. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on. Put him on. Two points to my message. One, the one to wear, and second, the manner of putting him on. So consider that first point, the one to wear. Put on, now watch, what, watch how he has identified the Lord, not Lord, the Lord Jesus, the Christ. Names and titles, one name and two titles. Consider first, wear him as the Lord, the deity possessing all divinity. He is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Lord of lords is also God of gods, the great God, mighty and awesome, Deuteronomy 10, 17. And he is God manifested in the flesh. That's who he is. He is the God of gods and he is God manifested in the flesh. Now as God... In his incarnation, clothed himself in our humanity, let us in our faithfulness clothe himself in his deity. Put him on. He who is divine, put him on. 
wear him. Let us obey the exhortation to put on the beautiful garments, Isaiah 52. And let us do it by wearing him who is the beauty of Jehovah, Psalm 27, verse 4. If you want to see how beautiful Jehovah is, look at Jesus Christ with the eye of faith, with the eye of faith. And then put him on, the beautiful garments. Let us wear him as our robe of righteousness. For his name is Jehovah, our righteousness, and we are clothed in him. He's my righteousness. Some clothe themselves in self-righteousness. God despises them. Let us be clothed in Jesus Christ and say, this is my righteousness. My righteousness is Jesus Christ. Let us say with Paul, I desire to be found in him. What a powerful statement. I want to be found in him. When you look at me, I want you to see him. That I may be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Put him on. Let Jesus Christ be your righteousness and wear him as your beauty and wear him as your righteousness. Put him on. Then second, wear him as Jesus. His name means Jehovah is salvation. And he was given this name because he will save his people from their sins. We're told that we should wear the garments of salvation in Isaiah 61, verse 10. How do you wear the garments of salvation? You do so because, or by wearing Jesus Christ, because we read, God is my salvation. Jesus Christ is my salvation. If you wear Him, you're clothed in salvation. Wear Him as the Christ. Which name means Jehovah's anointed. Psalm 2 verse 2. Jesus Christ, God's Son, His only begotten Son. Begotten from eternity by an eternal generation. Jehovah calls Him my anointed one. What does this anointed mean? It means that He was anointed to perform the three Mediatorial offices. He's the mediator, the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's the prophet sent from God to be his spokesman to his people. He is the priest from the people to God, making sacrifices for their sins and obtaining their forgiveness. He is the king who rules on God's throne in the place of God protecting his people and providing for them his three offices, prophet, priest, and king. Now put him on. Notice that we read, Christ Jesus the Lord. The Christ is the prophet, the priest, and the king. So how do we put him on as the, as the Christ? How do we put him on as prophet, priest, and king? Well, consider this. Let us wear the Christ as our only prophet from God. For God's word tells us that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past 
Old Testament times to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Now consider that. Jesus Christ is the last prophet from God. His name is the Word of God and he is the final word from God. When Jesus Christ had come and spoken, God did not need to reveal anything else because Jesus Christ had revealed it all. The final prophet, the final word, the final authority, God spoke in Old Testament times by many prophets. But in these last days, only by Jesus Christ. Now wear him as your prophet. And do not wear some other prophet. Oh, there are many claiming to be, but do not wear them. Do not follow any prophet who rose after the Christ, thereby denying that the Christ is the final prophet from God. Do not follow any prophet claiming God sent him with new revelation, thereby exalting himself as the final word from God. And do not forget that Christ the prophet warned us that false Christs and false prophets will rise to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now, I want you to just look around you. When you drove in this morning, particularly those of you living in, in out, outer districts, here where we live, in this area, a lot of people have a prophet who arose back in the 1800s, claimed new revelation from God, something God had never said until this man said it. And with a magical device and the skill of a penman, he wrote it out as though to say, Now God has finally spoken. I am the prophet. I am the final word from God. And strangely enough, many people believe it. Now the elect will not. If it were possible... They would deceive the elect. The elect have put on Christ and do not put on a false prophet. Second, let us wear the Christ as our only priest to God. Because every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, the Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's my priest. That's my priest. I'm going to wear him. I'm going to wear that priest who made 
one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down and God said, I require no more sacrifices. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all with one sacrifice. I'm going to put him on. He's my priest. Do not follow any priest who stands up every morning, seven days a week, at some man-made altar and offers repeatedly the same daily offering. And he must do it because his offerings never took any sin away. If his offerings ever took sin away, there'd be no need to offer it again. They prove by the repetitiveness of their offerings that their offerings do not take away sins. You want to be clothed in that kind of a priest? You want to follow that kind of a priest? Do you want to follow a priest? Surely you do not. Who says, Come into my booth and confess your sins to me because I have divine power to forgive you of them. Only God can forgive sins, but I can forgive sins because of who I am. No, I am not going to be clothed in that priest. I am not going to follow that priest. I'm going to be clothed in the Christ who is the priest. The one who made one sacrifice for sins forever and sat down. Because God said, when you said it is finished, it is finished. All right. Third, Jesus Christ, I am clothed in him as my only priest from God. I am clothed in him as my own, pardon me, my only prophet from God. I am clothed in him as my only priest to God. And I'm clothed in him as the king. In the scriptures, in one verse, we are told that he is Lord God Almighty and King of the saints. Revelation 15 verse 3. He's my king. He's my king. Many people do not want him as their king. That's okay for the time being. I mean, this is not forced on you. But one of these days, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord of all. Lord of all. I'm going to put him on right now. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to wear him as my prophet from God, my priest to God, and my king ruling in the throne of God and watching over me. Now, second major point, the manner of putting him on. How do we obey the exaltation? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, first, God must put him in you before you can put him on you. You do not put him on you so that God will put him in you. God must put Christ in you before you can put Christ on you. And God does this in regeneration. In regeneration, the dead are quickened. 
And Christ is made to be their life. And God puts Christ the life into dead sinners. And Christ indwells them. And then they who have Christ in them are told, put him on. Let him be not only in you, but on you as well. And you do this through faith. How else do you put him on? Well, put him on in Christian baptism, Galatians 3:27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Do you see do, do you see the correlation? Baptized into Christ and put on Christ. What does baptism do for us? Well, it is our confession of faith. When we are baptized, that is our confession of faith. We are confessing that we have taken all of our old garments and gotten rid of them. And now we are clothed in Christ. We died with Him. We're buried with Him. We rise to walk in newness of life in Him. But they that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We come out of that watery grave signifying that I'm now clothed in Christ. I'm going to be following Christ for the rest of my life. Furthermore, put him on by donning things associated with him. I can show you at least three of them here. First, put on the new man. Colossians 3 verses 8 through 10. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man. Oh, so we have to put something off before we can put something on. Yes, put off the old man. With his deeds. (laughs) What are his deeds? Let's see. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. And you have put on the new man. Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of God who created him. We are exhorted to put on the new man. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now watch. We're looking at an old man. And a new man. We are to put the old man off. We're to put the new man on. What is the old man? He's your old Adamic nature. That nature with which you were born. That nature that can do nothing but sin and can do nothing righteous. What is this new man? He is the divine nature of which we have become partakers, according to Peter. Everything associated with your old nature, put it off. Put it off. Get rid of it. Quit lying to one another. You know, get this, let, let us get malice out of our hearts. Put on the new man. Put on Christ. And look like him. Act like him. Walk like Him and be like Him. 
and we are as he is in the earth. Put him off. Or put, put the old man off and put the new man on. Then furthermore, put on Christian virtues. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 14. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Observe what we are to put on. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love. Have you noticed here that love has been presented to us as the greatest virtue? We read it, you know, just a little earlier. Love is the fulfilling of the law. It is the bond of perfection. What is love? <laughs> well, Sean, you, you, you might Google this one, but I'm not sure you're going to get the right answer like you did on, on your question. What is love? God is love. God is love. The scripture says so. God is love. Put him on. Put him on. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Notice there are things to put off and something to put on. You remember that prodigal son left his father's house with this part of the inheritance, wasted his inheritance in riotous living, this good Jewish boy is now reduced to taking care of the swine of a Gentile. <laughs> you cannot go lower than that, folks. A good Jewish boy now tending the swine of a Gentile and wishing that he could eat as well as they could. His clothes are now in tatters. He lives in a pigsty. What is left of his garments are filthy and stinking. And he thinks, oh, the serpents in my father's house have it better than I do. I'm going home. I'm going home. He gets up out of that pigsty, still filthy. Stinking, goes home, and the old father's been looking for him every day. He looks down the road. That looks like my boy walking here. He's not quite walking the way he did when he walked out of here, but I believe that's my boy. Look, he's coming. And the father ran down to meet his prodigal son. And the father said, Son, these clothes you're wearing stink. Take these clothes off of him and bring the best robe. And they did. <laughs> they took off the clothes that had been worn from the pigsty. Filthy as self-righteousness. And they put the best robe on him. 
the best robe in the father's house. Now, what do you suppose is the best robe? That's the term that is used, the best robe. What do you suppose is the best robe in the father's house? It's Christ. Christ is the best robe in the father's house. And the, and the father is saying, get these old garments off my son and clothe them in Christ, the best robe. Now, that's what God does. When God gives the best robe to you, put him on. Put him on. Wear him. And then, one last point. Put on the armor of light. We're now back to our text. Go back with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. That's the day we've been looking for. The day of our salvation. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. What is the armor of light? Well, I can tell you this. The light is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the light of the world. I am, there is no darkness in me. Christ is the light. Now, put him on. Oh, how glorious you will look when you put on the light. Ah, but here's a man. He overslept. He hurriedly dresses himself. He rushes to work. He punches the time clock with not a second to spare. He turns around and his co-worker says, Friend, look at you. Your shirt and your pants do not match. You're wearing two different shoes. And it looks like that's a woman's belt around your waist. What did you do? Did you dress in the dark? <laughs> Dressing in the dark can be dangerous, folks. You just never know what you're going to look like when you come into the light if you dress in the dark. Well, I can tell you this. No one who ever put on Christ ever dressed in the dark. He's the light. He's the light that dispels all darkness. And if you wear Christ, every article of clothing you wear will be perfectly coordinated. From head to toe, perfectly coordinated. If you wear Christ, the only thing that will clash with you will be the works of darkness. Did you read them? The works of darkness. And you're going to be clashing with them. But, Christ, the light, will be your armor. You are well armed to do your clashing with the works of darkness. What are the works of darkness? Well, look in verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting. That word 
writing has changed in meaning since uh, our King James Version was translated. Um, rioting now means burning the town down and whatever. This word means revelry. Revelry. Many people live their lives in revelry. And drunkenness. Not in chamberings. Now, what in the world is chamberings? Well, the Greek word for chamber means a place to sleep. It is a bed. Now, some of you are already probably making the connection, us older people. Oh, so that's why they called it a chamber pot. And it was for the bedroom. For the bedroom. In chambering. But here, something simple is going on in the chamber. Marriage is honorable and annulled, but, but the, and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers, God shall judge. These are chamberings. These are those who are, are, are engaged in such chamberings. And then there's wantonness. What does that word mean? Well, just remove the second syllable and it's wantness. It means wanting things you should not have that belong to somebody else. It means lust. Now, lust can be a very good thing if it is between a husband and a wife. You will agree with me, I'm sure. Lust can be a very good thing only between the two. But in the works of darkness, it is lusting for someone else, even for strange flesh, and then strife and envying. Folks, those things do not mark us, do they? Oh, God forbid they should mark us. Put them off! All this revelry and drunkenness. Licentious living, lusting for others and striving and envying. Put them off. Get rid of them. And having put all these things off because they're going to clash with you, be clothed in Christ. And you'll be well armed. You will be well armed against all these works of darkness. As I told you, the only thing that will clash with you, it'll not be the top part of your garment clashing with the bottom part. It'll not be, it'll not be the sandals on your feet being of two different sorts. It won't be any kind of a clash like that. The clash is going to be with the powers of darkness. But if you're clothed in Christ, if you have put him on, you are well equipped to face the world. Therefore, we are told, in our text, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I would hope that in this world around us, people not notice are just a little bit different. The early disciples were called Christians because the world says 
We thought we got rid of him. But look, there's a few thousand of them walking around now. They walk just like him. They walked like him, talked like him, lived like him. Why? They'd put him on. If you have put on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's quite a resemblance to him. Now put him on. Let us all put him on. And, O oh God, our Father, be pleased, we pray, to bless this word. Put Christ in us. We will put Christ on us. To your glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.